Oh, wing, wing, bang, smash. It's time for another episode. I'm only doing that because I don't have anything else for the intro. Welcome back, everybody. I am the Good Buddy Lunchbox. And I'm annoyed. <laughs> I have bet pretty much almost about 50% of you guys are, so... I'm doing my job. Assuming you haven't tuned out already. <laughs> please, please don't unsubscribe. You know what? Just cut that down a little bit in post. We're not done. <laughs> but no, so, oh no, I'm keeping it all in. It's all in. Oh, man. But no, welcome back to another episode of the Creepin' Real Horrorcast. And uh, this is another jam into our Creature Feature Month. It's our first Creature Feature movie. Yeah. But before we get into that, thank you so much again for joining us. And if this is your first time, Welcome. Join us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher at Creepin' It Real. If you have a movie suggestion or you'd like to sponsor an episode, you can email us at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com. And if you like us a whole bunch, go to creepinitreal.redbubble.com for all your super cool mergy needs. Um, we got lots of stuff to choose from. And uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button so we drop in your favorite podcatcher every Tuesday, plus the occasional bonus episode, which yeah. I'm sure you guys noticed a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I don't feel like I'm that annoying too often, so... Eh. I try. I try. I know. <laughs> but anywho, this would be my pick. Yeah, what'd you get? Since you're dragging your feet, I'll just go ahead and say it. I picked The Island of Lost Souls. Interesting pick. It's We're getting classy this week. Yeah, you're hitting the, uh, the way, way back machine. Yep, way back to um, 1932 to be precise. Released in December 1932 for a budget of about $300,000. Um, the Island of Lost Souls was based on H.G. Wells' um, Island of Dr. Moreau. It starred Charles Lawton as Dr. Moreau, Bela Lugosi as Sayer of the Law, Richard Arlen as Edward Parker, Layla Hyams as Ruth, Kathleen Burke as the Panther Woman, um, or Lotta, as she's in the movie, and Arthur Hole as Montgomery. Um, so we went... With an oldie, but a goodie. Um, It's been been a while since we've done a classic. It has been. And this is one that's sort of a... I don't want to say a forgotten classic, but it definitely only really seems to have its cult audience. Um, I mean, it's it's got the... Once it hits the the Criterion collection, like that's when you know it's like, oh no, these are the people that are the the movie snobs and the the, the people that are in it to win it. Yeah, I also watched a video yesterday of John Landis and Rick Baker having a conversation about the makeup effects on the film. So this one's a sort of a it's a horror movie for horror movie fans. Like you really can't be sort of lukewarm on the horror genre. Like you really have to enjoy it to get into it because it's such a first of all, it's incredibly early on. This is a year removed from Dracula and Frankenstein uh, being released through Universal Studios. This was um, Paramount, I think, that released this one. So anyway, um, yeah, it's Paramount that released this one. So we're only a year out from Universal sort of breaking out with some big to-do movies. Um, But also I think what's notable to mention about this one is that H.G. Wells had a Stephen King moment. He did not like this movie. Really? He did not like this adaptation at all. Um, he was still alive when this one had come out. Wow. I think The Island of Dr. Moreau had come out um, 
to see when the the novel was at or well novella it's it's really a short story but when that was released um but yeah he very famously um yeah he was born in 1866 so uh he very famously did not much care for uh, this this version of the film hmm. at all, so it's a shame. I mean, I, you figure that somebody that you know is now like, or at this point in time with films, it's like just the fact that your face is up on a big screen or or, or your story, um, anything that you may have created is now up on on a big screen. I think would probably got people a lot you know pretty psyched. So the fact that he didn't like it, mm-hmm. it's like man, like. <laughs> That's pretty, uh, it's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't, well, I mean, some liberties are taken with the script, obviously. Well, they had um, to be, it's a short movie. Oh, yeah, it, actually, it's wonderfully short, it's only 70 minutes long. Oh, yeah, I know you um, were happy about that. I was, because there wasn't uh, any moment of dragging, there wasn't, there was no room for filler. This was, um, a very, it's very easy to follow a movie, but... There's no wasted time. There's no wasted motion. And despite sometimes it not working out with... um, Sometimes it doesn't always work out with these older films for that to be the case. I actually really appreciate that. And I think that's a lost art on a lot of movie makers now. While on one hand, I do appreciate getting a decent amount of story in my story. Um, I, like... The Snyder Cut of Justice League, I really enjoyed um, some of the... Oh, man, all of it. All, the whole thing. I really did it for four fucking hours. Like, I really liked it. But I also really enjoyed Gone with the Wind, which is also four fucking hours. However, they at least have the decency to put in an intermission. Zack Snyder. Uh, technically, he did put in intermissions with the chapters. It's still... Like, it was just... It was like, boom, like, chapter you know, chapter two. Okay, boom, pee break. Hit the pause <laughs> button. Like, that's, that's basically what that was. Yeah, um, the oh, I just looked it up. The Island of Doctor Moreau was originally released in 1896, so at this point, the movie had already been out. Um, I mean, not the movie. The story had already been out for almost 40 years. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So the fact that films like this, some of the older films in the 30s, they managed to be engaging, keep your attention, and they don't linger too long. They kind of get to the point and leave you feeling satisfied without the gluttony that sometimes comes with overly detailed storytelling. Well, when I think back to like movies from like the 30s and uh, just a lot of the old, like those old school black and white horror movies, mm-hmm. um, after we did our Universal Monster and the Hammer movie mashups yeah um i kind of go back to thinking about the mummy yeah and when you really look at the mummy compared to like something like dr moreau or um or probably even dracula or yeah and dracula and stuff like that i mean it's they were very i guess i don't i guess the word be like conservative with the violence and yeah. or just the, the like anything that would just uh, make people feel uncomfortable. So what they did was they tried to paint the picture of 
this horrible thing that could be happening and without making it super literal and yeah yeah, making the audience really push their imagination in that aspect Um, here's the rub though when it comes to the island of lost souls this movie was actually banned in several countries yes it was considered indecent um mostly because of um kathleen burke 19 year old kathleen burke wearing almost fucking nothing she was in a loincloth i i thought of that i was just like man like she's a there for for this day and age is like or for this day and age is ain't ain't nothing no she's actually quite covered up all things considered um you know when we have fucking wop on the radio yeah it's actually quite conservative (laughs) watch uh takashi six nine um it's actually quite conservative however it was considered kind of salacious at the time plus there are hints of sadism coming from Charles Lawton's Dr. Moreau, who I really would like to get to here in just a second. Um, and there's also rape, and there's, I mean, not very obvious rape, but a lot of suggested rape. And there's um, people being murdered, and it just, at that point in time, but it was all on screen, even though it was sort of, wasn't like dead center of the frame it was still going on in the peripheral peripheral of the shot so yeah this was a big deal and in a lot of states it wasn't aired for a very long time in a lot of countries it was either cut down or banned outright so you can't watch a movie like this through 21st century eyes you really can't um because looking at it through a modern lens it's kind of like oh really that's it because uh, we've gotten so far removed from the subtlety and we've gotten so far removed from um using our imaginations everything is spelled out for us and in incredibly graphic detail a lot of times so um i tried to put that stuff out of my head and not look at this and go huh well, there's really not much happening here because there's plenty happening. You just you can't be 2021 about it. Yeah, and that's why I mentioned with like movies like The Mummy or Frankenstein. I mean, when we watch uh, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, um, I felt like we were talking more about the emotional structure of the monster and not. The, like the monster himself, like himself like just doing that whole thing yeah. it was like all the stuff where it's like this is the emo kid of all the monsters more, like he doesn't yeah. want to be there it was more about it was more about what he represented yeah and i in you know this day and age when you watch movies like that i almost feel like that ends up being the case with most of them like like the mummy he was just a man dedicated to one woman. He would go his entire life. So it was a it was a big love story. Uh, Dracula yeah, is the yeah, only star crossed lover story. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, like, and as we mentioned with like Frankenstein being the just the misunderstood creature. Yeah. Um, and most emo kids with the long hair cutting across their face and mm-hmm. you know all the jewelry <laughs> hanging off their belt buckles. Um, like, I mean, that's the that's the stuff where it's like you kind of associate with that um and then when you get into stuff like 
uh, Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde, where, I mean, it's a story all about, like, alcohol and... It's addiction. And, and addiction mm-hmm. and stuff like that, where now you can bring it into this day and age, and it becomes a even, you know, harder, uh, you know, structure just to go around, but it's just... That's the way that, like, with Dr. Murrow, there was so much, as I'm watching this movie, that I could really associate with 2021 and everything that's going on right now in in the world yeah you can look at weird you can look at this through a lens of just about anything whether it's sort of a sadomasochistic sort of symbolism with that um because the character of dr moreau um you can look at it through the lens of racism and colonialism because moreau was um basically treating these people his experiments there were you know slave-like in nature or you can look at this through um the lens of animal cruelty because and that's literally what he was doing was he was fast forwarding evolution on these animals because he said the end goal or the end result of evolution is always human and then there's also one more thing um which is actually what hg wells wrote this about was vivisection and um the abuse of medical experimentation. Yeah. And that's something where I'm like, yeah, just medical science, animal testing, uh, slavery, just uh, injustice, and like all the stuff that happened with the, I guess you would just call them the, the tribe that um, Bella Lugosi's character, I forget what they, what they were actually called, but it was just the. Yeah, they, I don't. I don't either. I think that's probably the best thing is is the tribe. Um, they don't really have a purpose. It's almost exclusively all men. The only one is Lada, the um, the panther woman. She's the only female on the island, and um, she was afraid of Doctor Moreau. She was afraid of Doctor Montgomery, and she um, wanted nothing to do with the rest of the men on the island. And Moreau really wanted to see the end result of this experiment is can we make them human are they capable of love will they mate will they like how will they form relationship bonds and so that's where edward comes is brought in and um he's good looking and charming and you know he's he's very polite and very easy to fall for um so his hope was that edward would get the panther woman to mate and he wanted to watch and see this experiment through to the end and it, the moreau character is so fucking twisted um i actually have a copy of the short story i just haven't had a chance to read it yet it's really not very long i don't know what the fuck my problem is but i just haven't had the time to really sit down or the energy to read really much of anything lately which is a shame because um after watching this film i really need to go back and actually read the story that i have yeah um i actually have to say as i'm watching this dr moreau is those characters that you're supposed to feel uneasy about or or not you're not supposed to like or whatever nope um i applaud this man charles lawton's a fucking creep in this movie oh no no yeah he's great with his, you know, little Hitler stash, whatever. Like, I mean, it was super creepy, making you feel uneasy. But as I'm watching this and understanding what he is actually doing on this island, yep. Applause all around. Like, I was like, 100%, like, 
well done, sir. Like, because yeah. he he was, uh, I guess, like, ran out of, it was uh, France or England? He was in London. London. And uh, the town, the city ran him out. Like, it was basically a, a Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, grab your torch and pitchforks. Yeah. So they ran him out of town, and he had to go and, you know, complete his work on this island where he couldn't be disrupted. or And it, it was, you know, uh, swarming with animals and stuff like that. Now, my thing is, yes, animal testing is a big no-no. However, what he was actually doing and accomplishing was something I was like, he could have just at least taken one of them back. Like, or, you know, just, just no, one. No, he did like, it with a whole group of animals. No, I mean, like, I mean, he made it a, a, basically a civilization of just male animal men things like but that was that was my thing is like if he just like kind of focused on one and just kind of tried to perfect it i know it's like okay well you got to go through you know break a bunch Uh, of eggs yeah but that's the thing is (laughs) we saw a lot of broken eggs what he did even the failed attempts is breaking the bounds of science like Mm -hmm. that is something that no other scientist would ever done that would be like nobel peace prize stuff where i mean he could take bits of that where it's like i created i took one form of life that isn't that structure and made it into a man a human and and they're walking talking breathing functioning eating they have drives, they have feelings. How is that not like an, an incredible scientific, you know, just it, achievement? It was hu- it's a huge scientific breakthrough, yeah. um, obviously in the context of the story, um, but it, it raises a, a whole mess of ethical questions. It's kind of a we're science, we're all about the could, not should. Yeah, and so <laughs> that that's basically <laughs> what it is. Is it, he he wanted to play God. He was a megalomaniac. He wanted that God-like power of being able to not necessarily create life, but to... To morph it. Yeah, move it along the timeline. And he said... The, there was a line in the film where he said that it he moved 100,000 years of evolution. And you saw a lot of different versions of some of these creatures on the island... And um, in the shadows, you got to see a lot of the ones that didn't work. And he called them his failures. And there was an entire lockup of the ones that were particularly bad that he... I don't know why he didn't just fucking kill them. Because it's got to be torture. Just keep them locked in that cell. Half man, half animal. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I... I would just half expect them just to go, oh, nope, sorry, you're, you're done, and then bang, and just and just be done with them. And that's why it's like you're just reducing all of that down. But, I mean, he must have kept, again, going with that God complex that he did have because there was the um, scene where he's talking with um, – what's his name? Edward. Uh, Edward. And he's kind of just rambling. And he's looking in one of the cages at, uh, I, I believe it's one of the failed experiments. And he mentions him. He's like, "Oh, it's like, have you ever, you, have you ever uh, created something where like you ever felt like God? Uh, I, I talk too much, and it's just like, okay, yeah, yeah a little bit actually. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah, you do talk too much. Not yeah. to mention but it. that that gave me a lot of the same feelings as what 
the early Dr. Frankenstein before he was like, oh, I fucked up. I don't want nothing to do with this uh, kind of complex. But he was just like, no, I created life. I am I am ultimate. And it's just that. Yeah. Mm, but that, he was also dealing with a ton of frustration as well because they would backslide. They couldn't. He couldn't evolve them and keep them there. They kept reverting back to a more animalistic state, which is why you saw some of them in varying degrees of humanity. And Bela Lugosi, who is playing the Sayer of the Law, uh, in particular, was essentially an early version of the Wolfman with the way his hair was made up um, on this thing. And it was... It was fairly unsettling. I wouldn't say that the makeup was the most amazing thing I've ever seen, but to have those those eyes looking back at you and just that... Lugosi had a way of contorting his mouth into the most sinister smile. And just the way he would hold his mouth and the way he would look, they had a lot of shots where he'd be looking directly into the camera and speaking directly into the camera because it was very close up of his face. Um obviously could capitalize on Dracula from the year before. But um, just seeing the varying degrees of what these creatures ended up looking like and then to see with the Panther Woman how we're watching her devolve. Like, she seems perfectly normal when we first see her and then there's a scene where she grabs Edward for a hug and she catches him and we see her hands have claws on them now and her hair is getting a little bit bigger and it looks like there's ears starting to sprout up from underneath her hair and her face is getting a little more feline with the makeup so they're really kind of pushing this character back into a more cat-like look so because i think part of it is because moreau was the most proud of her well, she was the only female that he ever created. And so if he could sit there and go, oh. Well, she was also the most human, too. Yes, very much so. And he could control her, yes, by, you know, fear. Um, also, she's a goddamn animal that is now brought into a different, like, it has no idea what to do. It can't function for itself. Now it's starting to learn to to talk and function, but it's... It, it's it's a child, and that's something where, as a man like Moreau, where he can, he's a very, very, very smart man, and he's also a man that knows how to manipulate, when to manipulate, what to do. I mean, hell, the the sayer of the law, that whole thing. Hit, Moreau goes in, hits a gong, doom, doom, doom. What is the law? The laws we eat tacos on Tuesday, or. You know, some shit like that. Like, I mean, that's the thing is he he got this tribe to repeat back to him rules. You know, I, I believe it was like we don't eat flesh. We don't yeah, spill don't, blood. Yep. Um, you know, so it's like we, we, we act civilized. They don't walk on all fours. Yeah. The, there was like three or four of them. Um, very much like you have to act like a human, behave like, you know, look like a human. And... Nobody, I think everybody on the island was forced to be a vegetarian, even if they were yep. a carnivorous animal to start with, simply for that fact, because it's that sort of taste of blood thing. 
and it's going to drive them back to being more and, animalistic. And I like that. That was a nice little little touch of they didn't he didn't over explain nope. it. He was just like, "Oh, no, we just you know, our diets and everything else and then he just kind of just went on and that they went on to the the next that's, bit for the scene. Yeah, that's called trusting the audience. That's yeah. saying, "Oh, we don't eat meat." And it's allowing the audience to have their brains make up the reason why. Well, the, the very reason why is because it drives more predatory behavior when you have the taste of blood in your mouth. So what, how do you stop that? They don't get to eat meat anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, that I thought that was really cool. And then, like, once you got into, uh, you know, the sayer of the law, and that kind of made it, you know, make more sense. Especially once you understood, like, oh, these are all animals. And they're all yeah. predatory animals. Yeah. Um, that was something else where I'm like, well, what was the, the choice? And, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming because they were just larger uh, creatures. Because, I mean, um, because he had, like, tigers. He had panthers. He... I think I, I think I know. I think I can kind of deduce okay. what the potential reason is. Predatory animals have better brain development than their prey counterparts. So, to take, say, a tiger over maybe an antelope. It's going. You're going to get more out of their brain because the the prey are a hundred percent instinct driven. They are relying more on um, impulse than anything else. There's no there's no real thinking or rationalizing of anything. But when you look at a predator, outside of a handful of examples like elephants, I think, or one example where. If he really wanted to push that envelope, he probably could have used an an, an elephant. Because well, I mean, like, what about like a pig? I mean, like, because like on like islands like that, where I mean, you could do like hogs and things like that. Yeah, and, and well, that's what I'm saying. Those are they're omnivores, though. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of just straight up herbivore, something like an elephant, because they feel emotions and they have family groups and they bury their dead for Christ's sake. Like, they're more human than most. Of most other prey animals, but they're not typical prey animals, so All it's I a little think different. About was Rob Zombie? Oh, oh stop! <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> like every time it's just that word, more human. Done. Anyways, so there's that. There's there's probably has a lot to do with that because if you ever watch a pack of wolves or a big cat hunt, you see them problem solving. You see them watching and learning they're i think they're more capable of learning than most prey animals because they have to figure out how say like a lion with a herd of we'll stick with the antelope um a lioness when she's hunting is watching who's the sick one where are the babies um are they grouped close together or are there a couple of outliers who's going to be the easiest one to get um is there like a big buck close by that's going to be more dangerous? So they kind of have a little bit more cognitive ability. So I think that's probably the, the biggest reason why in that regard. But he also had dogs and stuff on that ship. Like there was Great Danes and St. Bernard's and rather large dogs, um, which I think makes sense because you are trying to evolve them into something human-like. So you're not going to do it with a fucking chihuahua. Yeah. And, and, but, but dogs are trainable. Yes. Uh <laughs> As I'm watching this again and this uh, with a futuristic uh, imprint on it, um, I had this moment where I was trying to think of 
like okay, well he's he's succeeded to a degree, but he wants to have that like I have created person from animal and perfectly perfect. And it's like yeah. there's no de-evolution, none of that. It's just boom, they're done. They can go yeah. get a job and <laughs> yeah. do like anything else. Pay their taxes. Yeah. He's mastered the art of being God. So I got to thinking, it's like if Morel took his creation and took it to back to the States or, or wherever and said, you know, here it is, here's my work, like this is, you know, what it is. If it was like in this day and age, obviously there would be like people fucking flying off the handle, but... It'd probably be on TikTok. Like, it probably would be. <laughs> Let's be honest here, it'd probably be on TikTok. Screaming. Oh my God. Um... But I, I almost kind of felt like if, like, the government ended up getting their hands on something like that, like, do you think that, like, they would, like, almost, like, reverse engineer it to enhance, like, something? I don't know. There's a movie um, that we actually need to get on, on uh, at some point. It's called Dog Soldiers. Uh, it's a werewolf movie. Yeah, the super soldier program with that. Yeah, well, I guess it was like the uh, I forget it was like Nazis or or something like that where they were being uh, this group of soldiers were being attacked and the soldiers that they had that were being attacked by were werewolves and so they were using these groups to uh, infiltrate and uh, take out heavily uh, portion areas because they're giant fucking wolves. I don't maybe because but the problem is, is that would be they'd be starting with humans and enhancing an already humanoid yeah. creature instead of trying to force. But that's what I'm saying. It's like okay, well, if they're if he, they're able to like, re, and again, this is just all fucking just it's hypothetical, <laughs> hypothetical shit. Like, yeah. but if they were able to like reverse that, where it's like okay, well, we're gonna take a tiger and put that into a soldier and enhance some type of thing. It's almost like. Um, and this is where I, I got to thinking about it was uh, in Hulk, mm. Abomination. Mm. They took the it, the, you know, the research from Doctor Banner and what he did, tried to do it to you know the, the soldier uh, to Tim Roth's character, and he ended up over mutating and you know and he became the Abomination. Yeah. But and that's that's what I'm like. It's just taking something like that from science. Trying to redo it, but with Moreau, it's like, yeah, I'm taking it, an animal, putting it into a human, which also that uh, that could be a thing too, where it's like, well, we could just create soldiers that'll do things for us, and they have an animal, you know, type of. So you're saying Animorphs is no longer a young adult book? <laughs> no, not at all. The God, I love those books, man. Every, think... every year at the book fair. <laughs> I think. Every... Um, I don't know. I think that anything gets in the hands of government ends up being corrupted for evil so but let's just be honest here like if that were a thing however i i still think that we're, we're living in at least an attempt at a postmodern world where there is no objective truth and reality is only how you perceive it etc cetera, etc cetera. so um on one hand i think that there would be a lot of call into question about the ethical treatment of these animals and the ethics of the science behind it. However, I think on the flip side of that, there would also be a lot of justification about how we're all 
I don't know. I'm going to try to bullshit my way through this here. <laughs> about how, like, well, that's all that postmodernism is. It's just bullshitting your way through stuff. <laughs> You're going to do great. Yeah, really. Uh, about how, oh, well, what really makes an animal and, um, you know, it's it's species fluid or some bullshit like that. So there's, you can come up with any crappy postmodern reason as to why that this is a good idea or a neutral idea at the very least um i don't know i i really think that there would be a huge blowback if this were sort of a modern thing but the the vivisection thing the animal testing is really what hg wells was pushing back against in the late 1800s um because animal testing was pretty much the only way to do a lot of things that was how science was moving along as quickly as it was um because they were science was being on you know phyto and mittens and everyone's rat guinea pig and whatever else i i don't know i'm I'm pretty staunchly anti-animal cruelty and animal testing so it's very i'm 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 obviously siding with hg wells here but i think that the dr moreau character has a very fascinating mindset just because he's so fucked up yeah. and oh, so and, creepy. And I'm not saying that I I agree with Moreau, but I was like, but fuck, man, like you achieve something. No, it's a huge achievement. Yeah. But it's a but it's a fucked achievement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be honest, the Manhattan Project was a huge achievement too, but look at the Very fuck that much did. So yeah. It's like it's not always a good idea. <laughs> it's like we, we made this thing happen. Oh, it's yeah. t- we made cancer airborne and contagious. Yeah. You're welcome, and- planet Earth. And if you, I mean, I guess, I mean, it it definitely is, like, the animal cruelty and animal testing and stuff like that. However, it's like, Maroon never killed him. Like, and that's where we were like, oh, it's like, we're surprised that he just didn't go, oh, you're a failed, you know, test. Bang. No, I think there was, I think for all of his flaws, he did get attached to these creatures in some twisted way or another. The, although, I think he was most taking advantage of the Panther Woman, um... An argument could be made for misogyny because she's the lone woman on the island. But there's also an argument for a level of sadomasochism in that because there was that one scene where Edward gets huffy and takes off, and Moreau grabs um, Lotta and and says, "What did you do? What did you say to him?" And she says, "I showed him these," and she showed Moreau her hands, and he's got her like by the hair. And then she goes submissive and, like, lays her head in his lap after that. So there's a, there's almost, there's a, almost a sexual component to that a little bit, or at least a, a dominant submissive component to that. I, I saw it as, like, if bit. you, like, scruffed a cat. Like, that's just a... A little just, bit, like, but, it's, it's but it was, it was her reaction to it. Yeah. More but, a, again, we are, this is technically what the first maybe night or two that edward's on the on the island with moreau Mm -hmm. and he's kind of getting this shit like thrown at him yeah um you know all at once type of thing it's not over like a period of time because they're like oh he arrived here on the island i think beginning to end it's it's a a couple of days yeah like he arrives on the island they say they greet him they welcome him they say stay in this room and then moreau goes oh hey let's you know, let's feed, uh, you know, Panther Lady Adam, and then let's see what happens, and then turn around. And again, this is all in the same night. 
And then that's when they hear the screaming from one of the test subjects where he's operating on him. Because he's operating, there's no anesthesia. Yeah. So he's cutting this poor thing open. I can feel everything. It's awake. Yeah. So, but that's where it's, like, everything's happening so quick. So the stuff with Panther Lady, I just like saying that. Um, she. I mean, she's billed as Panther Woman. So. Yeah, but no, but that's where... Uh, when she puts her head in his in his lap, there could be so much more history that we have no idea. Well, he know, mentioned was... that he he tried her sexually and she rebuffed him. Um, that's not to say he didn't uh, push the issue, but like I said, that's it's a very it's a dominant submissive move there, big time. She's placating him. It's it's real serious. Yeah, but I think it's also on that grand scheme for him. Um, it's it's the god complex where he when he stands out in front of the you know the the sayer and and the tribe or whatever there's not a it's not like a fatherly emotion it's more of a i created you now you obey me um type of complex and with panther lady i think it was more of that too where it's the as you said, it's just that dominance, but it's the – there's no – I almost feel like there's no – even like a sexual connection at all. I mean even though like he may have tried. Dominance and submissive doesn't have to be sexual. No, 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 I'm no, no, saying no. there's a, potentially no. a sexual uh, No, I'm, I'm saying it's that there's no uh, emotional connection. It's more of a I created you and now that – it's that that's just like it. Like bringing her to heal? Yeah. Like that's that's just it, and so she just obeys uh, to a degree. Like I mean, um, or as much as no, she literally obeys. She has no choice. Yeah. So, but that's where it's, uh, you know. But she also has that that scared, you know, child aspect to she just, it. She got in trouble. Yeah. So, and that's where the the Moreau character is really interesting because he's very unassuming. But for somebody that has that um, that type of mentality and that kind of power, it's like it doesn't matter, you know. Like he could have somehow unleashed all of his creations on Edward because he saw the the operation. He could have just been like, "Here you go, guys. You guys want meat? Go for meat," and then lock them in a room and just kind of let them you know, try and let them go cold turkey or fight with each other or what what have you. But it's like that could have been the end of Edward if Moreau really wanted him to. But because he wanted to see Panther Lady and him try to you know get busy and see if that could progress his, his work along, he kept Edward Edward there as a test subject. Even through, even in the name of scientific study and discovery, the notion that he was so excited to watch two people have sex is really creepy. Yeah. Like, I don't care what the purpose is. Like, he was getting, like, giddy about the fact that Lada liked Edward. And this could potentially go somewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just making it more of the the confirmation that that she's human and she can do stuff. So it's it's not necessarily that it's like, oh, again, like, I'm going to, like, click on Pornhub and watch two people have sex. It's, no, I'm going to do this because if it, it's going to confirm my work. Remember, you kids, know? the difference between science and screwing around is writing it down. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
failure is always an option. Always. <laughs> Thanks, Mythbusters. Yay, Mythbusters. Um, I live by those words all every day. <laughs> failure is always, always, an, always option. an option. Yeah, this one was... Um, in terms of a horror movie, they played with a lot of like pretty horrific elements. Um, I wouldn't say this is particularly bloody or gory. It does not fall into that category whatsoever. But it... Even though it's stripped away a lot of the philosophical parts of the book to focus on the horror elements, it still raises a lot of really good questions, I think. Um, but in terms of the actual horror itself, it's the horrors of abuse, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's getting... There, there's, there's no... The body horror is minimal. It's minimal. There's not even a lot being done with that. You don't see anybody getting cut up. You don't see things growing out of people obviously because it's 1932 when this thing is filmed so there's in terms of special effects that are rather nominal um but what i do i I did like about it is that um it looks it reminded me a little bit of the following year todd browning would release freaks yes thank you god God, we're on the same page it gave me Freaks vibes um, mm-hmm. because of some of the actors that were cast. They were cast. They looked like sideshow circus freaks that yep. they cast to to play some of these roles. So they were really weird to look at. Um, a lot of them were pretty deformed. It looked like even without a whole lot of help from makeup. Um. And if anything, some of them gave me the Wiggins more than some of the medical stuff that was going on in the movie. Yeah, the funny thing was, like, for me, I kept thinking that... Because they kept showing the tigers and dogs and stuff like that. And a little part of me kind of felt like they went more like... As you mentioned earlier, that's like that universal wolfman look where... Yeah. You know, Pompadour many many years before the Wolfman so they they probably just used the the same gimmicks like from from this movie before the Wolfman I mean I would argue that Jack Pierce had to if he had seen this film had to have been inspired even on a at least on a subconscious level yeah and but that was the thing I kind of felt like as far as the makeup goes granted yes it's black and white and a lot of the shots are you know poorly lit for for dramatic effect but they all look the same they didn't it was a set of mood no i know but i mean it's like they, there's only like maybe one or i think there's one or two of them that were um looked much different than what like the bella lugosi you know for the sayer uh character but they didn't have like any tiger stripes they didn't do any type of uh effect where it's like okay we're gonna put the ears up you know a little higher or we're not gonna do one the chinese guy on the boat um when he got laid out edward turned his head while he was on there and he had had a wolf ear on one side um but no but that was the thing it was like i when i think of this movie it's like I'm, i'm hoping to get like Okay, well, they're all created from di- these different animals, and so you kind of feel like they should have some type of outside of just looking like the Mexican, yeah, like, um, wolf yeah, exactly. Like they all look. They're just here sushi. The and that's same, it. yeah, like just cookie cutter 
uh, you know, just stylings. We're animals because we're hairy. Yeah. Now, uh, <laughs> the one thing that I absolutely love, and anytime I've seen thing uh, based around Islands of Lost Souls or Dr. Moreau, uh, any of that, I always come back to The Simpsons with the Treehouse of Horrors episode. Yeah, Marge was a panther woman. <laughs> it was so good. Homer was Edward. Yeah. However, they, they did the reverse on this where they, Dr. Hibbert, like, took all of the citizens of yeah. Springfield and turned them into animals. And I was like, yeah. and for some reason, as I'm watching Islands of Lost Souls, I thought that's what he was doing in the first place. So I thought that's what The Simpsons uh, took it off of. He was not not the the flip around that. However, in, in a weird way, I like it better <laughs> with The Simpsons. Oh, you just thought Marge was sexy as a Catwoman. Hell, Marge is sexy anytime. Like she's oh boy, but like wow, Kitty uh, Marge. Yeah, but it was just <laughs> the scene where she, Homer's like, oh, like oh, you're getting frisky here. <laughs> She's like clawing the shit out of him And then they cut to the next scene And he's smoking a cigarette All cut up and she's just like purring on him And I was like well he went through with it It's like oh man But Or then um, the um, Lisa as the I believe she was an owl And she like goes and picks up uh, uh, Maggie the armadillo And and he's like like, Lisa don't eat your sister He's like I was only going to take a bite it's just, just a nibble. But I mean, or uh, or Fink is the Professor Fink is the turkey, <laughs> and it's like all oh, the basting I hate Yeah, the Simpsons did it. Yeah, um, but that was yeah they, they they did they just took the idea and, and reversed it. That's yeah, it. so like it kind of it tripped me out watching this movie for the this is the first time I've ever seen it, but it tripped me out because that's what I thought the story was where it was. Uh, taking a man and making a a, a, oh, okay. a creature, not a creature to a man. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of different versions of this movie as well. There was an Island of Doctor Moreau that was released in the '70s, and then there was another one in the '90s. It was released in 1996. Val Kilmer stars in it. Um, Batman. Batman. He plays Bat this, nipples. This was his follow up to Batman Forever. Nipples. Um, no, not nipples. The island of Dr. Nipples? Butt. <laughs> Bat butt. Bat butt. Um, no, no, no. He, he played the Edward character in um, the 1996 version. and It was actually called The Island of Dr. Moreau. And that's actually... A, a, I'd have to say that's a really good casting. Like, it's... For him to be the Edward character, at, like, back back in that prime day, good choice. And you have I to thought think, too... Good. And you have to think, too, that at that point, the story was 100 years old, so it was sort of like a... 100th anniversary telling modernized and, and they said it in modern 1990s time so it was a, uh, an updated version of that um <laughs> this is how you know i've been in the industry too long i couldn't stop looking at edward's hair it looked so good like it it, it was well tapered around the edges it was i mean it was pomaded within an inch of his life but she, like she works at a barber shop I'm a barber. So, yeah she's a barber so, so literally like i could not stop looking at his hair and all i could think was by the end of this movie that's great work well it, it looked amazing for starters <laughs> but also like watching the men in this movie i'm like i got really kind of upset 
Because right now the height of what's sexy is gray fucking sweatpants because women can see the outline of their dick through it. And these guys are wearing well-tailored linen suits and their hair is done and their facial hair is maintained. Like they're groomed and they look like they smell nice. But like now what I, a lot of women consider to be sexy is like, oh, they comb their hair when they rolled out of bed. No, like I want more. I, I personally would want more than that. I I feel the same way with stuff like that. I mean, even though I'm death metal guy, where you're currently wearing car- cargo shorts. cargo shorts, I got a big ass beard. I mean, it's 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 nice and kept. Like, I mean, I I actually uh, you trim it up. Yeah, I, I trim it up. I keep it, you know, pretty dapper. Um, even though it's it's you know, I'm just trying to just grow it out and just see if, how you know see what I, happens if I can. But at the same time, yes, I totally understand that I fit this demographic of lazy fashion. I listen to quite a bit of like Frank Sinatra and like a lot of the that old school like swing music. And when I watch stuff like that, or you know, watch old music videos of that. Um, also, I'm a huge uh, fan of like Abbott and Costello, and watching some of those old videos where. Every single night, suit and tie. Like, it's yeah. just that, or it's like when they go out on the town, like when they're just going out every, on day-to-day life, suit and tie. Yeah, and that's, I'm not saying that we need to go back to men wearing suits and women wearing fucking girdles, but like, there's something to be said for not wearing your pajamas out of your house, or getting a regular haircut, or, and but after finishing the... After finishing this, it actually made me want to straighten up a little bit more. Well, but that was the thing. It was like when, when I mentioned that where it's like, oh, that they are wearing a suit and a tie. Watching like the Abbott and Costello stuff, they are always portrayed as poor men. And Luke Costello was kind of schlubby. Yeah. At the time. But that was the thing. Is like even though he was schlubby or just kind of goofy because he was the, you know, yeah. the comical guy, um, even though that he was the schlub, he was still – Dapper to a degree. No, he comparatively to yeah. now, yeah, for sure. But that's what I'm saying. It's like he, he still slicked his hair. He suit and tie, even though it may have been a, a cheaper suit and tie. I mean, and his tie wasn't always tied right. No, yeah. but I mean, but still, he there was there's an attempt or there was a dynamic of culture. Energy was, or I'm sorry, energy effort was put. Effort, in. yeah, and that's the thing is like in this day and age where it's just it's very lazy, very. Just, and that's where I almost feel like, even though it's like a lazy way with your your clothes and the way that you present yourself, it's going to be the same thing with your attitude and drive and, and how you feel. And that's something that's like, I kind of feel like people would really need to like upkeep themselves and and really you know put a put a little bit effort even, into that. Even you know? just did a little more effort to personal fucking hygiene. Like you know how many NXT shows I went to where I couldn't get within you know pre-covid times within six feet of somebody else simply because of the way they smelled like bro take a shower brush your teeth, put some deodorant on it does not take that long <laughs> i've been into uh many a comic book stores and same thing where it's like oh you get the smell of the comics and all of a sudden you just you know that Someone one guy that walked by and you're like B-O. yikes <laughs> Like, literally go outside do something else don't air say. your shit out sir you were swampy sir 
but so that, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying we need to go back to a time of, of three-piece suits day in and day out, but I definitely think there's something to be said for gr- good grooming. Yeah, I mean, and but that's something that I've always mentioned, or you know, or even thought about just when I watch that old stuff. Is like kind of miss that, like it's it's there, and, and I, at the very least, guys, like your women try to gussy up for you when you go out on dates most of the time. Could you do something more besides put on just yeah. jeans that didn't smell off from off the floor? <laughs> yeah. I remember um, when I was in my travel hockey days, our uh, coach was very much in that mindset of you present yourself the way that you are going to be yeah. you know, viewed and just and how you want to portray. Um, so every single Sunday, every travel game, no matter what, the entire team was in dress pants, dress shoes, dress shirt, and we had our uh, like ties with our uh, team logo on it, which was kind of nice. But every every kid had to wear that. Whenever we're presented, like the team Raiders, boom, like you knew that that's, that's who it was and we were presented, respectable, everything. But then you had there was a couple of kids on the team that did not want to follow that, and so they were you know walking out there you know with their shirts untucked and just the ties were not even some of them sometimes weren't even tied around like they were just hanging off their neck like not even tied like it was just it was just the slubbiest of slubs and because I was captain I had to like you had to go I had yeah. to like get like super you know right super you had nice, to be polished. But, so, but it was a good thing. Yeah. So I'm going to step off my soapbox here because yeah. I, you know, I, I don't, it's just culture. Culture is a fucking mess right now. But um, weirdly. It's a hot mess. Weirdly, this movie made me want to do more, like, personally with myself in terms of, like, my hair and my grooming. And I live my life in ponytails lately, it just seems like. So I was kind of like, you know what? There is maybe something to pulling it together for day-to-day life and and fuck i think if more people took a fucking shower and changed out of their pajamas they would be so goddamn depressed all the time yeah i i mean i i feel you there i'm giving you the hunger game symbol this all the way. way i mean i work from home i don't have to go anywhere and i work in my pajamas and so yeah i totally get that where it's just like you know what i'm gonna I'm gonna go put on some something nice and go out for a change. Right, like, some real pants. <laughs> so yeah, I I totally feel that. Yeah. So anyway, um, I don't think I have really anything more to add except I really feel like I need to read this story now. Um, it's been sitting on my bookshelf for like a year because I found it at my local used bookstore. I found a really cool copy of it, and I just haven't done it yet. Yay, go me. Um. I have something I want to add. Oh? Yeah. So, I want to talk about Edward. Edward. He was dreamy. He was a very nice man. Very nice man. Kind of dumb, though. So, when we first meet Edward, he is found on a schooner that's on a drift. And for the life of me, I can't remember how he got on that boat. Well, but that was the thing. He's like, he was the only one on the schooner. No, there were there was a a whole ship full of guys that I think the the boat sunk because I remember when we cut to um, the fiance. What was her name? Um, and they had a list of uh, 
the survivors. That's that right. Were found. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was her name? Ruth. So Ruth was looking, and she found the list, and then um, she received a, a telegram from Edward, letting her know where he was and that he was alive. Yeah. My my thing was that he wasn't in a military uniform, um, which would have made so much more sense because he was just in his you know dress pants and tie. Um, and he, might been, he might have been traveling. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, and the saying. fact that he was the only one on the schooner. That, that also raised some questions. Where it's like, okay, well, how did you get to that point? Like, what what happened to where you were the only one on this boat? Where if this thing was sinking, that there wouldn't be like four or five of you fuckers on there. They might not have made it. No, know. but that, that's what I'm saying. It's like, and then like, what happened? Did you guys get like you know tanked or you know just in a what, 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 Iceberg, what, yeah, what, what happened? No context as that. It's just like they just find him and they bring him on board, and then that's that's a writing technique called in media res, where you are found in during the middle of some action. There's yeah. no lead up to anything. It's just you're already you're in it. Yeah. We'll drop you right in, right in the middle of our regularly scheduled program. So he gets brought on board, and he's being taken care of by uh, Doctor Moreau's assistant. And yeah, and so he, they're on like he is on board, and they go to take him to the captain, and the captain, oh man, he's a piece of work, like he was a drunk. Yeah, so the first scene, he ends up like, or they're like, oh, like this is you know like captain, like this is a uh, this is Edward, and and he's like, like who the fuck are you? Like what are you talking? Like what are yeah. you doing on my on my ship? And it's like, I didn't like, and like he just I didn't say you could be immediately here. abrasive. Like there's no like, oh we like he was shipwrecked, and we brought him on board, and we, like we're supposed to we're gonna uh, take him to uh, port when we arrive, and the captain automatically was just like not having any of it. Um, where instead of being, you know, great, I mean it's just one man. No, he was being a dick because yeah. he he was already inconvenienced um, by the job. He also was transporting Moreau at the same time, and he with all of his animals. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is he didn't want to do this job, and Moreau creeped him out. He very specifically said he didn't like him, um, and he made him feel weird. And the whole thing with the animals, I'm sure the smell was yeah. atrocious. Plus the noise and everything else, and he was drinking on top of it, so... Heavily. He was an ordinary fella. Yeah, but, like, I forget, who, who does he punch? He ends up punching... He punches the uh, the Asian guy. That's right. The... The, the, the wolf. The assistant. I yeah. don't think he was a deckhand, but he was one of Moreau's, like, assistants. Yeah. yeah. So, but he ends up punching him, knocking him cold, and then looks right at Edward, and then just goes to take a swing at him for fucking reasons. It's just like he's like, and, and he's smiling. Yeah, and then Edward knocks that. him out. Yeah, clean. It's just like, damn. But I was like, that was that was a really funny scene that just kind of popped up on you. Right. But then once they get to Moreau's Island, Edward is standing there, and the the captain basically says, "Oh, you're getting off here," and then cracks Edward right over the you know across the chin, knocks him over the side of the boat. And I was like, that's a dangerous fall on its own. Like, 
if he would have like fallen on his neck or you know whatever it is, there would be no movie. Like Edward would be, he would cease to be. He would be a late Edward. But that was the thing was, it, but the captain's reasoning, even though it was a very very dickish move, he only had to transport a, a survivor of a of a shipwreck to the next port. Yeah. They basically were at that next port, and he did his job. However, like, I mean, it's very, you know, unethical and all that other stuff where, what he did. Because Edward, I'm, I'm pretty sure if he would have asked Edward, it's like, hey, we need help doing something like on chip or, you know, fixing something, whatever it was. I'm pretty sure Edward would be like, cool, I'm bored as hell. Let's go do something. Yeah. You know, and, but at the same he time. He's being kind of Johnny on it. Yeah. Um, Although he was a little more, he definitely was a little bit of wealthier class, I think. Yeah. So with once Edward gets uh, on the island, Moreau brings him in and you know wants to to do this experiment with him. Tries to get him liquored up at dinner. Yeah, and, and it doesn't. Nothing's really seemed to work. But once Panther Woman comes in, I was so shocked. At how quick he fell into that. He was sitting there. She, like, laid on him, nuzzled, and in a real quick, mo- like, dramatic, oh yeah, you know, love motion, just, boom, like... Swept her up in his arms. Yeah, and then, like, just, boom, planted a big one on her, and then realized, like, oh, what am I doing? I'm... I'm engaged. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, it's like, I can't do this. We're not made for each other, and it's just like... Very, very dramatic. But I was just like, holy shit, dude. That took no time at all. If you're going to go that quick, you might as well just go ahead and do the whole damn thing. Because clearly, you know, it didn't really matter that much. It's like she wasn't hypnotizing you or any of that. Like, you weren't no, even looking at her. No. Just... First of all, she was fucking gorgeous. She was. Second incredibly. of all, she was probably giving off all the pheromones. And then third, I think it's because of... There was a sweetness to her, and I, I don't I don't know if innocence is the right word, but there was something about her that was very alluring, and was it was really easy to draw him or really any other man in. Yeah. I think um, it's just because of what she was. It would have been it would have been incredibly easy to take advantage of her. I know what it was: lack of clothing, lack of clothing. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> boobs. You could see boobies. Well, not you know. You could see the. Where no, you could see your shape yeah. really well though. So, but that was that was the thing is like it was just really interesting, and I had this like kind of shocked reaction at how quickly there was no fight. There was no nothing. It was just boom, sweep her off the feet, plant a big, big long kiss on her, and then come to realization like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done that. You know, you know what really kind of got me was he tried to pass, Moreau tried to pass Lada off as one of the local Polynesian women, and I was like, no, no, not <laughs> even a little bit. Like, uh, you know, it's just a lie and, and see if you get Edward, but I was like, uh, first of all, too pale. Second of all, too skinny. Third of all, not nearly enough personality. Uh, so nothing about this. Str- she didn't offer to cook for him or anything like that. So like, I don't, I don't see Polynesian like. But 
you know, just yeah. whitey. It's fine. So, but then, like, later on, once Edward fully figures out what Moreau is is doing, he has this mode of, like, I need to get off this goddamn island now. And out of nowhere, uh, overseas, his wife finds out that, uh, well, like, she's there when the ship arrives and she meets with the captain and says, oh, was, uh, you know, Edward on board? And he's like, oh, no, he got off at, uh, at Moreau's Island. And, like, and she's like, well, you're sp- he said you were bringing him here. And he's like, no, it's not my job to do that. I should have I just first port. And, and, he, and he just kind of was being a dick to her. And so then she's like, well, I'm going to go to, you know, to that, you know, your boss, basically. And she fucking Karen right on up. Yeah. <laughs> and rightfully so. Like she did. Like that's the only time like that Karen phrase would work out because it's like, no, this guy's a complete asshat. And he right. deserved I was, to. I was told that he would be bringing my yeah. husband home and he didn't. There was no reason for him not, not to. Uh, also, it's, um, it was a shipwreck. It was a shipwreck? It was a shipwreck. Okay, okay. It is, it's not specifically, like, what caused the shipwreck, but it, he was traveling. It was, okay. It was, a, it was a shipwreck then, yeah. So, but that was the thing was, it was funny just to, to have her go to the captain's boss, and the captain, like, he changed his shit right around, where he's like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, like, Yeah, and then very, and then he ends up taking her to Moreau's Island, yeah. so... Good well, on you, mate. Yeah, well, and the, so they end up going to Moreau's Island, and then, so she shows up with... Oh, it, it, what, he wasn't the captain that was being a dick didn't take her. It was another captain that was um, on that. Like so, yeah. like so, he ended up. Uh, that captain goes off with her on Moreau's Island to find Edward. Edward comes up. He's like, "What are you guys doing here?" Like he's happy to see her, but at the same time, he's terrified because he's like we have to leave right now. But then Moreau goes, oh, the, the jungle's not safe, you know, because of the, the natives and... Yeah, you, know, you don't want to do that. Yeah, and, and that was something that was really interesting as far as the dynamic between Edward and Moreau. Because, obviously, Edward knows what's going on. Moreau knows that he knows. But he still has this manipulation where he's just... it's He's not giving it away to the the two newcomers yeah he's but he's still giving like he's being very gracious and he's being very um you know he's just being a very good host and yeah but he's there's still an element of coldness to him there is he's keeping them very um, much at arm's length i'm trying to think of like what there's another uh character that that does that I, i almost kind of feel like it's um i wouldn't say dracula where it's just that because Dracula even smiled, and Moreau just kind of was just like, "That's right." No, there's. Uh, some... I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but I know there's a bunch of movie villains that act very um, gracious and polite, but are very guarded and cautious at the same time. Um, when we watched uh, was the horror of Dracula, mm-hmm. and um, Christopher Lee. His his Dracula was well, yeah Jonathan Harker and at this point Harker we already knew who Dracula was and and Dracula was very careful he's you know make yourself at home here's some food and stuff like that but he was very careful not to get too close and not to um, be overly warm 
about the visit. It was there was always there was a wall, something very cold and standoffish. Yeah. Same thing with Moreau. I just kind of feel like it would have been something where having them show up and Moreau just being super cool, calm, and collected yeah. on the whole thing. Um, I thought was really interesting where instead of him just going, well, I can't have you screwing up my, my work, so I'm just going to kill you now. Yeah. And having them stay there an extra night puts up a, a couple more... Um, it gives them more opportunity to do it. It gives them more opportunity, but then he also has to play that chess game. And it's like, okay, well, how am I going to get them to nice. do this? And there was a... a the scene where he kind of was almost like like boasting in a way because they mentioned that the the tribe or the natives yeah were getting restless and they were getting uh, more agitated yeah and so he's like oh they're they're nothing they, and, they knew war was coming yeah he's like oh they're they're nothing let me go let me go handle this and like so he just like he's telling the group like don't worry, I got this, hold my beer, and then goes off, hits the gong, and then fucking, you know, chaos happens over the tribe, and then Moreau ends up, yeah, and Moreau ends up getting it, where I think that was like his downfall. Well, he, but, would, he, he would ask, you know, what is the law, and then the sayer of the law basically told him to go fuck off. Yeah. At that point, and, instead <laughs> of actually saying, you know, we don't eat meat or whatever. And I'm feeling that a lot in this day and age right now. Yeah, but that's... No, he, he basically went, he, he told Moreau no, and that was when the revolt started, and um, yeah, it was, you can look at this movie through a lot of different angles and um, find some really interesting topics of conversation and also very topical um, subject matter in it, even though the story is almost 130 years old. Yeah. yeah, And that's when I feel like you got a good story when you can read something or, or watch something that's very old and then still bring out a modern topic yeah. to it and it lives on like it's timeless the word you're looking for is timeless exactly it's it's the kind of story where yeah maybe it's fucking men on horseback or something and but the the subject and the the topics are very t- there's no time yeah. stamp on those they're evergreen which is it's a good thing to be and i think uh the island of dr moreau yeah. lost souls yeah. is that yeah, I mean, it's just like in Jaws, where... God I mean, damn it, we almost <laughs> did it. We almost made it one whole episode. Man. <laughs> Meg's over here like, she's about to go down, it's late at night, and all of a sudden, that's like, Jaws comes up, boom, eye roll. <laughs> it's so good. I'm sticking my puppy on you. Yeah, I love with this movie that it is a timeless uh, just film and... You could take it in any so many different ways, as we mentioned, but I also love just that. Well, the sci-fi aspect of it, like it's like it's just super cool when you have those sci-fi villains creating the monsters well, yeah, and stuff like that. This is, and, this is a creature feature because we have fucked up animals, animal-human hybrids or whatever. But it's also a mad scientist movie, essentially, and he's. The sane, Moreau is a sane mad scientist. He's not cackling, he's not 
bouncing off the walls. He's not monologuing. He's just a very cold, calculated, driven kind of genius. those Those are the villains that I feel are so much more dangerous. And interesting. Yeah. And on the page and on film, they're so much more interesting. I mean, I think of it was, it's uh, Dr. No. Um, um, or no, it's not for uh, James Bond. Yeah, it's, it's Dr. Um, no. Dr. No, yeah. He, that, like some... Blofeld. Blofeld, thank you. I was searching for the name and it just wasn't going. Blofeld is that same kind of way where it's just very cool, calm, and collected and... He has this master plan, even though they do go into that, that venom villain monologue, but at the same you time... sly dog, you have me monologuing. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, Moreau, he, he didn't do that. He actually was just like, Edward, check out what I'm working on. Like, since you saw what I... Like, I'm not going to sit there and hide it from you. Right. This is what I'm doing. And he didn't hide it. That was, I think, another thing, too, is... He was pretty open about it. Yeah. He wasn't trying to pretend anything. Like at first, I think he was trying to keep it private, and then it was just it was too difficult. So it's like, all right, let's just yeah. keep this door wide open and let him in. Yeah, and that's where and that's where Edward was just like, dude, this is not fucking cool. Like, I need to get off this island now. And just Edward's like the panic button was hit. Oh yeah, he wanted he was ready. So and that's where, but Moreau, same thing. He's like, he never. Never, uh, you know, varied from that cool, calm, and collected. There was one scene with Moreau that I really loved was um, when Edward does find him working on the experiment, and he's, you know, on the operating table. And Moreau turns around, he's like, get out! Get out! Like, he's screaming at him. It's the first time we actually seen, like, any, like, heightened emotion out of him yeah there's he's got nothing yeah and it was just like i was like damn like that was that was really cool because then then the following scene he comes in he's like like he he brought himself back down yeah Yeah, and he's just like i was like that was really cool and having him being that very creepy unsettling type character yeah really worked and a little part of me was kind of I, i actually love that they didn't put bella lugosi in that role Here's the thing. Lugosi was... And I, I want to wrap up after this. But yeah. Lugosi was in this movie. He was paid 800 I heard $800 and $850. So somewhere between 800 and $850 for his time on this movie. He was in the middle of filing for bankruptcy. He was broke. Because he gambled all of his fucking money away. And this is why he did, like, Ed Wood movies at the end of his life. Because he fucking... He had no money. He, he was very... He mismanaged all of his money. So he was in this movie for a few days. He played a very small role. Um, part, partly because I don't think they could afford his full-time fee. Like if they put him in the Moreau yeah. role. Um, or I also even the assistant. Either way, it wouldn't have been appropriate. And um, I think he also took this role because he said no to Frankenstein. Mm. He was offered Frankenstein. We went to Carl, Boris Collard. Karloff instead, but um, he said no. Thank God. Have you seen the makeup for like for Bella Lugosi as Frankenstein? It, it was something. Ooh, no, no, no good. Yeah, he didn't want to sit in the makeup chair that long. No. Um, weirdly enough, he the following year he did Island of Lost Souls. I think it's because Frankenstein did so well. He went, mm. oh, maybe I could do a makeup movie. Um, but yeah, he um, a much 
smaller, I wouldn't even say secondary part. It's probably almost tertiary at that point. Yeah. Um, but I like that for a fan of Bela Lugosi's Dracula and stuff like that, watching those old movies where, that he's in, I like that he's not starring because he was Dracula. Like, that's... But it's it, also because he does have pretty high billing. He's one of the top billed stars on the fucking movie poster. I, it it's, strikes me as a little bit like when we did Intruder last week. <laughs> yeah. It was a bit of a bait-and-switchy kind of thing where it's like... Bela Lugosi's in this movie. Yeah, for like yeah. three or, minutes. Uh, or like Scream with Drew Barrymore. She's on the fucking poster right there, slap dad in the front. And it's like, she's the first one to go. And it's just like, oh, oh, all right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that had its its own reasons, but. Um, I know, but it's it's still the same. The same, idea. same thing. But so it, he, yeah. I, I like that, though. Bela Lugosi's in this movie. Yes, sort of. And, and even like him as the, the sayer. Still, really cool. I mean, it was effective, and I mean, he it still had that, the not the Dracula presence, but it's just that the the presence that Bella gives off when he's is like, what is the law? The law, like, and it's just that kind of that that baritone kind of yeah, voice, the, the big voice and the presence for sure. Yeah, and so that that was really cool. And then like when they did all those like close ups of the makeup when the the creatures are going up for him, it's like. Bella Gossi, as you mentioned, was like, he looked eh, kind of gnarly. So, look, yeah. look, look really good. Yeah, I bleed him up pretty good. Yeah. All right, so skull ratings on this one. Um, Give me yours. This was a three and a half for me. Ooh, okay. I really did like this one quite a lot. Um, I love, I mean, it's, it's a classic story. It's a classic story. We've mentioned you can see it through a million different lenses. It has practical applications for even modern stories right now or modern life. Um, you can't beat a lot of times with classic quote unquote classic things I'm always left scratching my head like how did this one make the cut with movies and, and books and, and other things it's like okay this is held up as the gold standard for something and then I don't know if it's because that expectation was set so high or what but oftentimes I'm just like why are you a classic how did you get slapped with that label? Because I'm usually left underwhelmed. Like, a lot. This movie did not do that for me. I was actually quite pleased. Um, I actually kind of would like to watch it again in the nearish-ish future. Um, because I think there's some things in there that maybe I missed. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading the short story as well. Um... I also have a couple of other H.G. Wells books that I've been meaning to read. I think I have Time Machine and War of the Worlds as well, and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, but I think this is one where I can point to it and go, yeah, this is a stone-cold classic, and it deserves it in every sense of the word. When some of the other things, like, say, maybe Todd's, Todd Browning's Dracula, maybe not so much for me um, because it's just kind of a boring nothing's going on film um island of lost souls does not do that i would highly recommend anybody check it out the atmosphere is great the acting is very well done um the story is solid as a rock and charles layton is going to creep you out 
I don't want to try to set the bar too high, but he's a creepy motherfucker as Dr. Moreau. So. He, he reminds me of, like, a... Kind of reminds me of, like, like, like John Wayne Gacy, where it's just that... Cause he, cause There's he, just something he, about he, him. He was a plump dude, and you could just tell mustache. where it's like, okay, well, he was, a, he was a nice man, but there was something yeah. behind it. And that, that's kind of that how I, I felt he, he played it. Yeah, just something is not right with him. Um... So, yeah, definitely jump on this if you get a chance. I am morbidly curious about the 1996 version of The Island of Dr. Moreau, mostly because Val Kilmer somehow doesn't feel <laughs> like the right kind of casting for I don't know. That, I, that, one, that one feels like okay. I don't know. Like, for that, for that point in, in time, I think it, it, for Val Kilmer... Fresh off Batman Forever. I think that would actually be a pretty good one. Like, I'm okay. Talk to me, Goose. Yeah. So, for me, I ended up giving this one just a solid three. Yeah. Um, it was enjoyable. I was actually very surprised that I did enjoy it as much as I did. Um, and, as you mentioned, with all just being able to take a modern viewpoint on something that was this old and just keeping it a timeless, I was like, well done. Like, super, super pleased okay. with that. Um, I like that, just that, the story of that, just that scientist who has found that one thing that has just set him up above everybody else, and everyone thinks that he's just a complete nutter and just a mad, you know, person just for even thinking about doing stuff like this, but yet he has achieved it, absolutely love it, even as terrible as it is just for a story aspect of it, awesome. Um, so, I mean, I thought the, it was really, really cool. Um, it's definitely one that I could probably rewatch, you know, later down the road. I'm interested to see the Dr. Moreau one. However, I actually think that now you could really remake this into like a TV show or you could even do, um, like just really spend a budget and do like, have like fucking Guillermo del Toro or somebody do that shit. It's just like really yeah, remake it. I think there's enough meat on the bone for at the very least a short run miniseries kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I mean like, do something on um on like Shudder or something like that where it's just uh, like a six part series yeah. or something like that. I yeah. mean and like fucking throw some Greg Nicotero shit on there where they're like really making making animal like creatures and yeah. make it and that's why I was like make it like a Guillermo del Toro director just because he loves those he loves his creatures. big creatures things and they could he could do stuff like that and oh, bring yeah. emotion out so I thought that would be a really cool um, thing if they ended up remaking it that would be one I'm like cool like go for it man like you could you could probably knock it out and make it really special effects heavy and, and make it look good um, so yeah especially because you can look at it from more of a political revolution angle especially like now with all the stuff going on in Cuba it's so much more time it's even more timely now than ever yeah so I think that wraps up yeah. the island of lost souls not shabby for our creature feature yeah this is actually a much better way to kick it off than um, we kicked off our last month so <laughs> I don't know what it is with the starts of our seasons like Valentine was great but what the fuck hatchet <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyway, uh, join us next week as we cover the movie Feast. Yes. Your pick. Um, but until then, make sure you hit that subscribe button. You can um, 
like, share, comment, any and all five-star reviews are great. It helps us actually get in front of more people. Um, join us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher at Creepin' It Real, R-E-E-L as in Movie Real. You can email us with show ideas or if you'd like to sponsor an episode at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com. And if you do like to sponsor us, we love getting sponsor requests. So it's like yeah, you, you get to pick the movie, movie, you get to, you know, we'll give you the, the theme for the month, but you get to pick out the movie and as a little extra bonus, just, hey, how you doing? Right. So you're in the driver's seat. Um, and then just a reminder, we also have lots of merch, creepinitreal.redbubble.com. Who does that merch? Lunchbox does the merch. He do, he do, he do, he do. Ooh. So... Or you can click the link in the Instagram bio. Um, go ahead and jump on that, and you can wrap us out and about. Um, we always appreciate you guys for joining us. Thank you again so, so much. All right, so until next week, I have been Meg. I've been Lunchbox. Wow, Kitty wants some candy.